You're listening to Ink Studs on CITR 101.9 FM. My guest this week is Austin English. Austin was on the show, I'm going to say three years ago. Probably about three yeah, years I ago. Yeah, I think about, th- about three years ago, yeah. And at that point, you were starting Windy Corner, or you had done one-ish... No, I think you'd done two issues of Windy Corner at that point. I did one, and the second one was about... uh, I think I told you what was coming up in the second one. Okay. Um, And since then, things have kind of changed, and you are doing a lot more stuff other than making comics and curating a... uh, I don't want to say magazine. This doesn't feel right saying Windy Corner's a magazine. Is that what you call it? I I called it a magazine, but I guess it's like was more like a you know annual uh, art publication. But I, I I don't know. I thought of it as a magazine. I mean, it was really influenced by magazines. So I don't know. It's what, whatever you wanted to call it. I think it's fine. <laughs> it's a magazine, but not filled Piece with glossy. Piece of garbage magazine. You know, whichever. What's this garbage you're sending at me? I don't know. Yeah. It's got drawings in it. One um, man's magazine, another man's garbage. There we go. Uh, that's what people would probably say about my comics if they saw. They'd be like, that's a lot of garbage. Um, so on top of continuing to make comics, you've also started publishing uh, co- other people's comics under the uh, publishing name of Domino Books. Mm-hmm. And uh, Austin's latest book uh, came out from Sparkplug, I guess, a year and a half ago? Two? Uh, probably more like a, a year ago. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, I guess, I, I think like more like a year ago. Okay. Yeah, sorry, yeah, a year ago. I was thinking, because I saw it at Brooklyn last uh, yeah, year. I actually didn't see it for a little while. It was published, and I... It, then I didn't see it for a little while because uh, I was in I was in Sweden when it came out. So I I might be wrong about when it came out. Doesn't real. matter. It's out, and it's the out. book is the disgusting room uh, from the fine folks at Sparkplug Books. Um, I think I want to start out by talking about the disgusting room uh, okay. before jumping to other stuff. And one thing, one person made a really great comment about this book. I was talking to um, Jason T. Miles, a uh, fanographic staffer and probably one of the best people to talk comics with, and he had the best point about this book is it's great to see your work big, and it belongs big. Yeah. Well, that's um, I that's something me and Dylan talked about a lot with that book. We wanted to... Uh, you know, I, I drew those pages really big, and... Um, we wanted those pages to, to look... I mean, with Sparkplug, Dylan always made a big effort to make the published work look as as close to the original artwork, artwork as possible. But with um, Disgusting Room, we really wanted to make it big and, and um, you know, kind of aggressive in, its, uh, in the way it was presented. But I think uh, me and Dylan both also... I, I never want things to be expensive. I wanted, I wanted it to be a publication that you know had this big format to it this like full color thing but for it also not to be a um you know twenty dollar thing that had staples in it and um but one one of the main things was that we wanted it to make it big like that so we decided to do it uh newsprint um so that it could have that size and have the um and have that cost so the size of it was really a big um uh, was a big thing in, in figuring out how to how to get it out there and, and in what format. 
And I think the newsprint kind of works with it. I kind of like it because it's a very, like, the book is really rough. The artwork yeah. feels really rough. The story is really rough and grimy and dirty. And newsprint kind of goes with that. Like, it, Well, I thought it would be cool, like, if it if you just saw it lying somewhere. It's like, oh, is this, like, uh, the New York Post? And, like, you pick it up and it's, like, this, you know, uh, this really imaginative image making inside it. And it looks like a newspaper. It's, like, a bulky... Um, newspaper but it's full of this stuff that um that probably wouldn't be in a newspaper so no i like that about <laughs> it now the work itself it feels like you've kind of turned a corner with this one as far as the material covering um how do you feel me saying that like does that kind of resonate well i i started i um i was living in brooklyn and i um moved to Sweden and I started doing um, and I was there for two years and I started doing the disgusting room um, the I think the day the first day I was there I had um, before I before I moved I started uh, planning it out um, writing it out a little bit and I just um, you know I had moved to this new place and I really wanted to push myself to do something uh, to do a project that was just um, to, to just see if I if I had um, the art in me that I felt I had in me and just to push myself to do something stronger than anything else I'd, I'd done before and I um, was in this new place I didn't know a lot of people I didn't have a job right away and there was really what I what I did most of the time was work on that book which is what I'd always wanted to do with Windy Corner or Christina and Charles and I feel like with the disgusting room I just had this focus that um, and enthusiasm for the work that I hadn't had before and I, I it did feel really different and I just felt um, just didn't feel really inhibited working on that project I just felt like I was gonna do it exactly how I wanted to do it and not um, not worry about if it was gonna be serialized of what what kind of material I had I mean I was away from a lot of the other people I knew who do comics and I didn't have to do this thing and then maybe people would see it and I would have to explain why I wrote a line that way or, or put a certain amount of texture in it. I could just make it in the way that I always had in my mind and just push myself to do it even more the way I had in my mind. So I it does it feels like immediately different than my other stuff and I feel like um, that book is like the starting phase for the work that I'm really proud of that feels like, you know, feels like mature work or like the the work that like, like disgusting room feels like square one you know mm -hmm. for what's gonna come for what i'm I, what i'm working on now still feels like a little bit connected to that now does this have the the medium you're working in does this have anything to do with being an environment where um you're not around as many cartoonists because i know you're doing a lot of printmaking at the this time too Oh, I hadn't I hadn't started doing the printmaking yet when I was working on Disgusting Room, but I um, you, uh, what's your your question is is the is the is the the way it's made by by being around other people of other art disciplines? Yeah, I, I think it's just about being away from I you know in Brooklyn you don't see uh, I didn't see cartoonists every day. I mean I lived I lived with other cartoonists, but it wouldn't it wasn't like you were around comics every day and talking about comics all the time, but you were around it enough that you felt like you were part of a um, community of cartoonists and I, I think everyone has different hopes and desires and aims for their work and other and different 
feelings about what comics is and uh, I know I have uh, really uh, strong opinions about that stuff and I think when you're around when you're around a community of people um, I don't know you feel um, you, you feel influenced in a lot of wonderful ways but you also I, I think you do feel somewhat inhibited or you just feel like um, uh, you feel like you're part of this this thing that is comics and there are certain rules uh, for cartooning that I always, you know, I, I always uh, chafe against or whatever, but I feel like being away from that, uh, I could really um, just embrace all the other things that I, that I love about art and uh, put them in, into comics in my way and not, re not really worry about it. Um, even though I tried to worry about it as little as possible before, I just felt <laughs> like this was my chance just to do, just to do a comic in the way that, that, I, that made sense to me and um, and and take from painting and the ways that I understand painting and and do all that stuff. The process, like I feel like it's very visceral for you. This book, in particular. I I <laughs> I guess so. I think um, <laughs> I think I did that one, and um, the the stories after that. Um, I I feel really free with them, but I, I feel like I'm reining it in. Uh, 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 quite a bit more after Disgusting Room. I I, I kind of had to get that one out and do it as, as wild as I wanted to do it. Um, and it did feel really good to do it that way. I mean, some of those pages just felt, you know, physically good to work on. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, getting it out, I really, uh, now all the work feels, feels I, I feel really engaged with, with my work right now and doing comics. I feel so much uh, enthusiasm and and uh, strength in doing them, uh, which I, I I always felt a little bit that way, but not as much as I felt <laughs> after doing Disgusting Rum. Um, and also, I um, you know I uh, it was one of the first projects where I just did the I did the page like as a whole page, you know, instead of drawing a panel and um, drawing panel by panel and then um, mosaicing them into a page with disgusting room on um, with maybe one or two exceptions I've, I've just done I've treated it as a page and um, you know stacked up the pages and, and keep working on it my girlfriend I was showing her the book and she was just fascinated and just being able to watch you work on a page because it seems like you'd just be grabbing all these different materials and putting it all together into the into the work as you're doing it she's very perceptive <laughs> <laughs> do you just like do you have a random smattering of stuff or do you have like a concept in mind as you're kind of going through the story and kind of like what's going to work out in advance well I, I i think when i sit down to work on those the, the pages in that i just wanted to make every page look fresh and exciting to me and just figure out ways so that each page was um felt like a new thing to me and uh, looked um, looked uh, different enough that I was that I that I could walk away from the page and and feel good about it and um, I you know I um, I think I, I kept using different stuff so that um, it did, so that I felt like I was challenging myself or pushing myself with with each page and, and trying to get something um, like if there was an effect I liked that I was using with fabric I, I didn't want to like uh, lean on that too much. I think now now with the the comics I'm working on now, may, I'm going to maybe let myself lean on some stuff that I like a little bit more, but with that one I really wanted to 
to um, try as much different stuff as possible and not let myself settle into uh, uh, any ruts with it. Um, so I had, I mean, I had all these ideas in the beginning that I'd use uh, fabric as the texture for walls throughout it, and then um, um, I did that on one page. And then when I tried to do it again, it just felt uh, it felt really exciting to do it for one page, and then. Doing it again just felt a little gimmicky, or it felt like something that I was uh, falling back on too much. It's like there's a, uh, I don't know if you've, when I was when I was younger, I, I saw those Hal Hartley movies, and I really loved them. They were like some of the first art movies I saw, and he has this uh, dialogue in it that's, you know, he has this off-kilter dialogue, and then, um, you know, his movies now, he's like still using that dialogue, and it seems like it's kind of, he's kind of exhausted what, what he can do with that but he he feels so like it, it seems to me like he feels so connected to it like he can't get rid of it because it's his thing mm -hmm. um and i don't know that's that always feels like a dangerous little little trap to get into what are some of the non-comic influences going into this work into like this period of austin english um well i i think with uh with writing it i um i thought about structuring it kind of like a play, like having a set cast of characters, uh, like five five characters, um, keeping them in in, uh, in these kind of controlled environments. And um, I would kind of write it uh, with that in mind. Like I would, um, I, I had the general structure of the story all ready to go, and then I would um, write out a couple of uh, pages of dialogue and draw that almost like I was giving um, some lines and some scenes to the actors, but I wouldn't write too far in advance um, because I was just reading stuff that was really um, controlled and um, you know ambitious in terms of art, but not too ambitious in terms of structure. Um, uh, I was uh, I read this um, right before working on Disgusting Room. I read this book called The Assistant. Um, by uh, Robert Walzer, and it's uh, it's so ambitious in terms of the art of it. It's so it's very expressive. Uh, the characters are rich, um, but the structure of it is very tiny. There's four or five characters, a couple of different places uh, where these characters interact, and I uh, it's it's also a novella, which I think is like the perfect uh, um, the perfect kind of. Uh, structure for for prose because it's controlled it's not a short story it's not an it's not a baggy uh victorian novel it's kind of this perfect uh perfect thing in between where you can be as artful as possible but you you can't you can't um you can't let too much hang out you gotta you gotta like compose it a little bit and i think with the disgusting room like being kind of wild um visually i uh i think just a structure of uh a somewhat simple structure to hang it all on um, was was something I really thought about. That just brought to mind to like your work is shorter, um, and the work you're publishing we'll, we'll get into a little more is all fairly shorter works. And you talk about the novella uh, having like a good length. Um, how do you feel about say larger epic comic works? Is that something? I, you know, I, I always want to say, like, oh, I think, uh, you know, comics are perfect when they're, like, you know, 24 pages. Or uh, I always want to say that because part of me believes it. But, you know, there's a lot of beautiful manga that goes on for thousands of pages. And it's, uh, you know, I can't, uh, 
I can't pretend like that stuff doesn't exist. And there's graphic novels that I love that are hundreds of pages. But I, I do think there's this, like, I mean, my favorite form of comics, and that that's what I'm focusing on publishing with Domino, is, like, a um, a 24-page stapled comic. It's, like, it's this thing where you can, if you're a cartoonist and you've, you've, you've got this art that you want to put out there, you can you can make a statement in 24 pages. You can get a lot of story in there. All these drawings, like when I, uh, I probably said this in the last interview, um, but when I started reading comics when I was a kid and I would pick up like Fantastic Four and I really liked the artist that was working on it, I, I couldn't believe, I couldn't get over it that it was like 24 pages of art and it was so cheap and I could get like a bunch of these little things with 24 pages of art and I still really feel that about comics and I just think it's a, you know, graphic novel is like an epic film and there's epic films I like and there's graphic novels I like but I, I do think there's something about that, um, something about that form that, that I'm just really attracted to. I, I've never been able to get over it. Like if I just, if I look at an old issue of Meat Cake or something, it's just so, something about it, it's like teeming over with drawings. Sometimes like a, a graphic novel it feels like there's so many pages to fill with drawings that even the best artists, it's sometimes it just feels like a page that's that's uh, you know a stretch, like they had to throw it in there. But like you know, an old issue of Meat Cake, it's like it's bursting with drawings, it's overflowing with drawings. So I really, I don't know, there's something about that I really like. I know one person that had to hit a deadline on their book, and they just filled a page that was just a bird flying, or was it a plane? Right. It was just it was just all white. Except for this one little thing. Yeah, but you know what? I like I like that stuff too. I have no problem with that stuff. And it's like you know, if you if you take all the, you know, uh, little Lulus and you put them in a book, it's like this crazy long graphic novel. Um, uh, but I don't know. Even with Little Lulu, I like having it in the in the comics more. I I can't understand the desire of having like four hundred pages of Little Lulu because it seems to me like. That's true. It's, a, it's, <laughs> it's an true. overdose. It's like it's one of those things where it's like, yeah. I, I, if I I want to read an eight page story, I think that'll be good. That'll be good. That'll be good. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. But if you have that big book, a little Lulu, you know, you can dip into it for the rest of your life. You know, it's uh that one last you. Yeah, Seth will probably disagree with me and say that we need as much little Lulu as possible. Um. Yeah. Well, you know that guy. I mean, I like that. I love that guy's comics, but isn't isn't he on every Little Lulu fans like shit list for the you know crazy covers he does? That's that conversation has been done to death. We don't, <laughs> need, to, <laughs> we don't need to get into that. All I will say is I wish they included the original covers in the books, and that's all well, I'll say on the matter. Yeah, you know, like uh, we. I mean, you were you were telling me you like to go to Roger's Time Machine and just like I like going there and like. Of all the uh, comics to change the cover of, man, like Little Lulu, that has some of the most perfect covers, like, and Nancy, too. Like, like those, some, you, you look through those, like, there's so many Nancy covers, there's like hundreds and hundreds of them, but I have yet to see one that isn't, like, perfect, you know? And it just, of all, of all the stuff to, to do a cover for, like, Nancy and Little Lulu, I don't know, man, that really, uh, you gotta bring your, uh, gotta bring your A game. 
that's I mean that's a little diatribe I have of my own where I kind of go on rants about you see all these collections of older comics and even recent comics and all these amazing covers just get lost to the wind like yeah we've got these nice you know format of the Love and Rockets you know you can get so much of it so super cheap oh, yeah. but those amazing covers that they would do they're right. all gone I know but or, you know what? The thing is, we're nerds, and the rest <laughs> of the world doesn't like. You know, there mu- there must be. I I am sure the, the people that publish those books, they're super smart about that stuff. They know what the what the book buying people want, and I'm just Monday morning quarterback here. You know, <laughs> but that's why I have Domino because now when I if I uh, <laughs> I do my version of Little Lulu, get those covers in there. Well, aren't they, uh, aren't, isn't, the, the thing is, like, some of that stuff is public domain, and that's why they're able to publish it? Right. Yeah, well, I, let's, let's call them up. Let's get a conference call. There we go. No, let's not talk to anyone. Just do it. Okay. <laughs> I'm shaking your hand across the, across Skype. Across Skype. From West Coast to East Coast, from East Coast to West Coast. Um...
let's talk about Domino then. Let's let's jump into it. Um, the first book you did was Dark Tomato by, and I'm totally gonna mispronounce the name. Uh, where is it on here? It's not even on the cover. Where where's the name? See, that's uh, she. It's it's kind of hidden in there. I mean, you can find it on the back cover in the the write-ups, but okay, there we go. Sa Sakura Maku. Sakura Maku. There we go. Uh. The dark but yeah, on every page it says SM, yeah. which is kind of her signature. Yeah. Um, what was the choice of this as your your first release? I you know when I was um, uh, figuring out what what the first book was going to be, you know, Sakura's work is she's she's um, an artist that's about the same age as me, um, and ever since I've been putting zines out and having books out. Sakura seems to have something new out. I, I have a little cold, by the way, if you can't tell. But if my voice sounds funny, that's why. Um, but Sakura has been putting out zines and books, and each one has been a big deal artistically uh, to me. And when I was doing Windy Corner 3, I had Sakura uh, do a story in there, and I remember she finished it before I finished my story for that um, issue, and I just remember looking at it and just being so moved and influenced by it and I just um, she's just one of those artists that's so important to me it's, it was just like a no brainer to wanna you know I if, I think if you like comics and you like art you you wanna share that stuff with other people and, and I couldn't think of anyone I wanted to that, that no one else was doing anything with um, that I wanted to just share their work with other people, you know, and I, 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 part of the reason I started Domino was when I was, um, starting out doing art, Dylan publishing me was a big, it was a big thing for me as an artist and just made me sort of like, um, it gave me this pat on the back where I was like, I'm not gonna, oh, when I, when I was doing stuff at the time, I, I, it meant a lot to me, but I don't, I don't know if I was, had the, had the legs in me to do it forever if, if other people weren't, yeah, didn't tell me that it mattered to them, and I once Dylan, um, you know, took this interest in my work. It meant a lot to me. I know it meant a lot to me, and I, I felt like um, I, I have no idea if Sakura uh, had that feeling too that uh, she needed someone to encourage her. But I felt like I um, had to not encourage her, but but show her uh, um, that that I thought her work was beautiful and that other people should see it, in, and it should be presented in this way with dignity. And, uh, presented in as beautiful a way as possible. It is pretty stunning um, book. It's kind of a little challenging for me to wrap my head around at times, but that's okay. Give it a give it a second read. Give it a second read. <laughs> <laughs> it's a. I think it's a book. You know, I, I think of Sakura as a writer, like first and foremost, and that's a. You know, that's not an easy book to to wrap your head around uh, the first time. I read it. A gazillion times just working with the files um, when we were getting it ready to publish it and you know I um, probably read it 30 40 times and I think it it started to click really you know towards the towards the last you know the last 10 reads um, I think there's this um, visual component to it that that's arresting um, but the I think the writing is like the the sleeper aspect of it that you really mm -hmm. gotta really got to bring your head to the table for it. What do you think of the idea, and this is something I've kind of talked about with friends, is 
the the idea of having art be challenging and having comics be challenging not to be just simple narratives but to really make the re- the reader work at it well i think it's i don't think it's in- important to base your interest in art around things that are challenging but to be open to things when they are challenging um uh, i think if you get into this thing with the art that you are interested in and you go, oh, I like this kind of line quality or oh, that kind of line quality is bullshit. I only like this kind of line quality. I think when you sit down with anything, that's a really, you know, there's a lot of work involved with, with the artist, you know, everything they have to do before they sit down to make art. But I think there's a lot of responsibility on the reader too to leave their uh, prejudices at the, you know, at the um, book flap and really take things on, on their own terms. And I, you know, everything I've read by Sakura is challenging, but it's also a pleasure. Mm-hmm. And part of me does think that challenging comics are good to spend your time with. I, I do like challenging art and I, I I think it's like eating veg- vegetables I think it's good for you <laughs> but I also I also don't that's not a criteria for me um, I I think if Domino has an aesthetic of, of the stuff we want to publish it's work that the artist is engaged in and they're artistically ambitious and they're artists that they're they're pushing themselves to do something beyond them you know they're not settling into a groove of I do this kind of storytelling and this is what I would do well and people out there seem to be into this and I'm just gonna keep refining that and there are a gazillion artists that work like that that I'm super into and I am glad that they keep doing their thing because it's enjoyable but I I'm interested in artists that when I know they're gonna do something new I'm excited to see what level they've gotten to in their own world of image making and storytelling. And there's this uh, book that Domino's going to publish by Jonathan Peterson that is just like pure storytelling. Like you look at it and I don't think you can uh, not read it once you look at it. It It's just like boom, boom, boom. Just like the, the story just moves along in this way. But the way Jonathan tells the story is so it's just like alien in its in its style it's pure storytelling but it's also so it's so his storytelling so mm-hmm. he's canadian you're mentioning Is he's he canadian Toronto? um i you know he's lived in montreal i think he might i i'm not sure where and this is gonna expose my canadian <laughs> uh even though i've been roommates with two canadians here uh Keith Jones and Jeff Latticher. Uh, I I'm not sure where John <laughs> is from exactly. Probably Toronto, right? I have no idea. <laughs> I know I I saw his work because it was in that um, Nagadad thing that Mark Bell did. Which oh, okay. Montreal people, but he he didn't grow up there. Well, no, it's actually Vancouver people. Oh, that was Van- Vancouver people. Yeah, it was a real. It really captured a certain scene in Vancouver at a certain point in time. Oh, in, well, uh, I always thought that was like Montreal. Oh, stuff. no, bro. It's, it's what a do very, I know? It's like Owen Plummer's very Vancouver artist. Um, 
Jason McLean was in Vancouver quite a long time um, during the work, and like Mark was back and forth from whoever knows and his place in Vancouver, and uh, everyone's left Vancouver, of course, since then. But you know, they had to get out. Yeah, it's too expensive here. <laughs> of course, I can't complain to someone who lives in New York. <laughs> Well, I have a special circumstance in New York. I, this room I used to live in, that I live in now, is um, very atypically cheap, and um, me and Clara share this room. So we we have this kind of weird, like, shadow existence in New York where we're, we we pay barely anything uh, rent here, which is another reason I can do Domino because I'm not my cost of living is um, incredibly very low. So if I have that, I I feel like I can push the money into other into other things. When starting Domino, were you kind of responding to seeing what is and isn't being published by other small press folks? Um, maybe a little, but more just, you know, I, I think maybe something uh, that really influenced me with Dylan was he would always, people would always be like, oh, you should publish this person. And, you know, sometimes they'd be suggestions of artists that Dylan really uh, liked. But he, he would always say, oh, you know what? Someone's going to work with that person. I don't have to publish them. And he would always want to publish people that it seemed like that, that he thought were great uh, and worth his time and everyone's time that no one seemed to be trying to work with. If there was an artist he really liked that seemed to be like loved by everyone, he, was, he would always be like, oh, someone's going to get to them. I, I can save my money and, and do it for someone and publish someone else. And that's, uh, that I, I feel that way too. Um, I, um, uh, but I, I, I don't think of it as a, uh, something that's um, governing what I, who I want to publish. I, I think I just, I just want to make books uh, that, that I would like to read and maybe make books with people that aren't making a, a, a big, uh, 24-page story that are maybe just doing a lot of anthology stuff, and I that I just, as a reader myself, I want to see what they would do with 24 pages. Um, one of the folks you're publishing who is also starting to get published by other folks is Jesse McManus, um, and you guys did a book together, Spider Monkey. Yeah, Spider Monkey. <laughs> <laughs> And Jesse's also an old roommate of yours, I understand. Yeah, there point. you go. That's the last non roommates gonna be published, you know. <laughs> it's a relationship of convenience. Uh... Jesse did become a roommate of mine because we knew each other through art, and I was a huge fan of his work. Yeah, just for the record. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Um, he, no, he's uh, his his art styling is amazing, and I didn't realize like you'd mentioned that his first work was published in that massive Kramer's Ergot Seven. Yeah, I mean, and and you, someone could correct me if I'm wrong, but I you know Jesse had done zines, and uh, he actually sent me his first zines when he was still in high school, um, and I had just started uh, college, and he was drawing incredibly then. Um, so he'd done a lot of zines, but I don't think he'd had anything officially published in any capacity until that Kramer 7 page, which is a pretty cool 
debut. I mean, I think that's uh, <laughs> that's the way to to start publishing in that book. <laughs> it's just like slamming it down on the table, like, what you gonna do? Yeah, you can publish <laughs> once and then just then like go away forever, and then you know have a whole book written about the mystery of you later. <laughs> so, uh, if he's younger than you, and you're you're a pretty young guy yourself, how old is Jesse? Or is this a mystery? I don't know. I, I'm going to guess Jesse's... Uh, Clara, do you know how old Jesse is? She's giving the I don't know sign. <laughs> I think he's like 25. Okay. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna talk to Jesse. You can. Let's I'll see ask him. Can. Yeah, I'll probably see him in Portland soon. Um, so this works pretty different for you. Yeah, well, that I mean, writing that that book was really writing a book for Jesse, uh, and I I tried to keep my writing as far out of it as as possible um, to write something that. Uh, um, me and Jesse were talking about how. Um, with our work, when it gets written about, a lot of the times it gets it gets written about like that uh, that we can't rein ourselves in enough that we that our work is too uh, not controlled enough or whatever whatever variation of that is. And we thought we'd do a project together so that we could still do our you know our uh, <laughs> passionate unreined in artwork in other in our own sphere. I could still do stuff like disgusting room and not compromise that at all and Jesse could still draw comics of a guy walking up steps punching himself in the face you know <laughs> whatever uh, it is that Jesse does um, but we would work together on a project where I tried to rein my writing in and Jesse tried to structure his drawing a little bit too and because we were doing it with each other we would we would kind of um you know, set the stage for each other a little bit. And I, I just wrote a really minimal script. I mean, writing like a comic in the mainstream way where you write a script and someone else draws it, the writing part is just unfathomably easier than the drawing part. So I wrote, you know, a full script, but I I um I, I made sure that there was stuff in there that Jesse could really express himself with. And um, it's really, the writing of it is really Jesse because he, um, you know, he expanded it from, a, I think, a 22-page script to a 36-page comic, and um, all the storytelling and all the, um, the way the characters look at each other on the page, the way they uh, pose, that's all Jesse. And to me, that's the, the true writing of, of comics. Um, but I, it, for me, the, the task was writing something that I think was worthy of, of Jesse and that he could do something of his of his real caliber on. Was a do you have a lot of thoughts like this would be awesome if Jesse would draw this and just put that in? Yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> but I mean, with that in mind, I would never want to like like describe how it um, uh, is supposed to be because I you know you if you I think if you trust the artist that you're writing something for you you have to trust them to do it how how they want to do it. Mm -hmm. Staying away from the Alan Moore approach to script writing. Right. Well, but that, I mean, that guy can do it that way. He's, he's really good at that. <laughs> Have you ever read one of his scripts? I've read one, a description of one page, and it was amazing. 
I, you know, maybe we read the same one because uh, I remember buying, I think it was Violator number two when Alan Moore was uh, writing all those image comics. And uh, they had, in the back of it, they had, like, I, you know, at the time I was huge into Alan Moore and uh, they had, like, his script breakdowns in the back and they were dense. And he also, I, I might be confusing things, but he, I think he had thumbnails as well, which is sort of like... Uh, if you didn't get this dense page of description I just wrote, here's a drawing of how you should do it, too. Well, that's the, the interesting thing about Alan Moore, is he's actually quite a capable artist. I know, he's a, he's he could be a great, like, you know, writer, art, like, he could be a great cartoonist, because uh, he, can, he can really draw. Maybe he'll do that sometime. Maybe. Hopefully. I would love to see that. I would buy that. I'm still a big Alan Moore fan, and... Uh, oh. You know. I mean, I think now more than ever, like, with all this, you know, how we don't need to just Alan Moore is and everything. Yeah. yeah, we don't need to bring all that stuff into the conversation. But yeah, I mean, Alan Moore is just this admirable, you know, example. I'm doing this this thing right now where I refuse to give any kind of mainstream stuff any uh, any attention. <laughs> well, that's I. I'm more power to you. Yeah, I think everyone's fine with it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about some of the other books you have coming out. One I'm particularly excited about, who I'm just getting into recently, because you and other people are telling me to check out her stuff, is Molly Colleen O'Connell. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully that book will be out at MOCA. Um, Difficult Loves by Molly Colleen O'Connell. She's amazing. <laughs> she's great. I think she's... It's like what I was saying before, like, um, she's, she's a young artist that's doing, um, I think, ex like, it, it's, it's exactly what I was saying before, where, like, when Molly has a new comic out, I'm excited to see it because I just want to see what, what she's done with her art and where, what she's, what she's pushed, pushed herself to do. It's just, she, um, it's not that, it's not about her art growing, but about her focus and ambition changing and it just I think as someone who draws myself looking at her work from project to project is just inspiring and um, have you seen her piece in uh, closed caption comics number nine I was flipping through I don't think I've heard it yet but I did get this huge green newspaper she did oh yeah yeah that's that just came out at book and comics fest yeah it's it's a it's that's really what kind of knocked me over was just opening this thing and going through it and all these amazing drawings in it yeah, those figures are just like these lush, like they're just they're just so satisfying to look at, and they just have this like huge drawing, but like just this like um, surge of drawing behind them, and it's just kind of this. There's like no fear of drawing behind them, um, and uh, I, I she's she's great, and I'm that's like a, a dream project for me to, to be able to work with Molly and and. Uh, and just just see what what's gonna happen with this project and everything. And the another person you're publishing, uh, and I'm not even gonna try pronouncing her last name. <laughs> you can do it for me. Well, that's a made up that's a made up word. Uh, Bessiel, Clara Bessiel. It's made up. Doesn't mean anything. Her her mom just made up that word, Bessiel. <laughs> um, no. I was her, you sent me some pages of her stuff to look at. It's is it all pretty much pencil? Yeah, it's all done in graphite. 
and that's really interesting. It's you guys have like a very kind of common. There's something common in your work, not common, but shared. I can feel. Oh, oh, and what? What do you mean? Common in, in um, like like not as common's a bad word. Uh, shared, like a shared aesthetic. Oh, with with my work. Yeah. Oh, that's really. I I've never heard anyone say that before, but that's that's really interesting. Like there's this, I I didn't wasn't sure what how I could put my finger on it. Like there's something in the, in the darkness to it, maybe. Oh. I don't know. Well, that's good. That, <laughs> that, that sounds fine to me. <laughs> um. Now is that gonna be what kind of book is that gonna be? Tell me or tell the that's, listeners about it. That's gonna be a um self-contained um i believe 24 page comic um it's gonna uh unlike dark tomato and uh spider monkey which are cereals this is just gonna be a um you pick it up and you got the whole thing there and it's a story about um uh it's it's a it's a really complicated story um about a guy who goes to um, review a performance he's seeing, and some mysterious stuff happens. I'm really bad at um, de- describing <laughs> any uh, story. Um, <laughs> you are not a publicist. <laughs> I, you know, when I write the um, when I write the uh, blurbs for this stuff on the Domino website, I really um, force myself to come up with something to say. But I, I. Um, Blurbs and and descriptions of stuff drive me crazy, because um, I feel like the work is so rich and I can never do it justice. Uh, you know, like my favorite books or movies, I can't. I, I just feel like I'm. They're the, they're these beautiful things that exist. These movies and they they are what they are. And when I try to describe it, it's my ham-fisted description of this perfect thing. So you know, but if if someone goes onto the Domino site and looks at the description of Face Man and Dark Tomato and Spider Monkey, they will now know how uh, <laughs> how how much of a struggle I'm having eking out those those paragraphs. Don't feel bad. I'm the same way. If you've looked at the uh, the Ink Studs book, I couldn't write a description for any of the just I can't get my head around like writing this is Chester Brown, blah 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 right. blah I'm like just Yeah, because it's just your it's just your opinion. Yeah. And it's just, I would rather the word, like their words to discussing their work describe them than just having like a little synopsis like at the top of a comics journal interview like yours, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Right. I don't know. Well, I think sometimes if you write like a full, like, you know, a full essay about the thing, then it's, then that's good. <laughs> yeah, I won't be doing that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I did my BA and after that I just try and avoid writing as much as possible. That's why I do yeah. interviews. Yeah, it's, e- it's better. <laughs> better and easier. Yeah. Yeah, it's easy, folks. You can do it, too. Um, now, you said you had some strong viewpoints in comics, and I kind of want to jump into that a little bit. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure where to start with that. Like, hearing about me, what's some stuff you particularly work, what's not working, what should we be paying attention to more. Um, I know one person you at one point were really big into, was it Pat McEwen? 
Did you do a review um, of his work? No, no, I like his stuff, but I never wrote about Pat. No. Have you read Hair Shirt yet? No, I haven't. I haven't read that. It looks amazing. Um, just on a side note, what is some of the stuff recently that's really been grabbing your eye that you've seen, especially after something like Brooklyn? Well, I think the the best comic I, I read uh, last year was Special Exits, which was um, I don't know if you read that, but that was um, you know that's not a very like of the moment comic because it's uh, drawn. Uh, drawn by someone who's been drawing comics for a long time, and um, uh, you know that book took her forever to do. Um, but that was a beautiful, just uh, traditional comic, um, and kind of defeats what I was saying earlier about uh, not liking uh, or not being into a lot of uh, graphic novels. I mean, that is a graphic novel that is just um, uh, it's. It's drawn these these the way the characters are posed on the page is just so it's got all the 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 way you're supposed to make a comic like it's it's acted out the characters are acting it out and um, it's told so clearly and it was just a pleasure to read and just rich with like feeling and and everything um, but that's not the most exciting uh, unheard of comic to talk about I think <laughs> uh, with um, uh, comics that are just coming out now I. I've been talking about this guy in like in the last month, like everywhere I go and I run into other cartoonists, everyone brings him up. But uh, Josh Bayer and this comic he did, Raw Power, was just so great and so cool. And it's just like uh, I don't know if you've read it, but it's 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 a comic. Um, and I have it. Yeah, you've got it. Okay, it's just like it, it, when when you flip through it, it seems like he sat down, he got all like <laughs> charged up on coffee or something and just like drew like 12 pages really fast and uh but beautifully and then it's like it's you could you could tell he's like losing a little bit of juice but he's still drawing still uh getting the pages out there and they're they, they've still got this force behind them but they've just they've lost a little of that manic energy and it's almost like as he was drawing he had like another cup of coffee and just like kept going and it seems like it was all drawn and like one sit down which of course it wasn't um it's a very long uh comic but uh that i was i loved it and um i i i defy anyone to read that thing and not want to uh not want to make comics themselves or or make their own comics better and 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 more uh more ambitious than they're already making them and josh has been doing comics for so long and i've uh i've read other stuff by him before and really been into it but um just just it hasn't stuck with me the way that one has and i just he's working on so much stuff and it just uh I, it's just a pleasure. It's quite the. They have a whole scene of folks right now in Philly that are really doing some some out there. But jo- Josh is a like his publisher is Philly, but Josh is a, a New York guy. He's is teaching he? classes. Oh, okay. And, yeah, yeah. Teaching hey, classes here. And... and I should make note: Josh did an interview for this for the Ink Studs with Johnny Ryan a number of years ago. Oh man, I got to go back and listen to that. It's actually a written one where he did some drawings of Johnny. Oh, cool. Well, I gotta go and read that. There you go. Check it out. Um, is there any movements that you're kind of want to see more of, or kind of done with, or you want to be careful not being too critical? I just, um, you know, I've just been thinking about a lot with this thing in comics, and that there, there's so many. You know, I, um, 
with Domino, I'm going to start uh, distributing this anthology, Kus from Latvia. Mm-hmm. And there's there's all there's all these people making comics their way now. I think we've reached this like um, you know crest where it's just like people from all over are making uh, making comics on their own terms in the way they want to make them. Uh, I, I was lucky enough to be invited to go to Croatia for this festival where cartoonists and other visual artists got to paint murals in the, on this island in Croatia. And there's, there's this whole Serbian scene of cartoonists and everyone, uh, there's all these people making this stuff, but there's still this kind of dominant language in comic circles about what comics are and how they're um, supposed to be made or the right way to make them in spite of this like mass of people making them regardless of those rules. But and I think what the scary thing to me is that, or not scary, irksome or whatever, is that I think a lot of people think of image making and storytelling, and they're like, I like to tell stories, I like to make images. Oh, there's this thing, comics, that um, you can do that in. I'm gonna make comics that solves this perfect uh, um, question that's been in my mind, and they start making comics and. A lot of times people make these really out of left field comics and uh, they'll they'll get some attention or, or praise for them. And I think what starts to happen too quickly is that there's this dominant um, way of how comics are discussed that, that kind of, I think, at times discourages people from continuing to do comics in their way. Um, and I think a, lo- a lot of people with different kinds of uh, approaches feel this kind of invisible pressure I mean I know I've felt it um, mm-hmm. to 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 be more close to traditional storytelling or to wrap their unique approach into a more um, appropriate storytelling mode and I just I just know that that uh, it's 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 just something I think about a lot because uh, I just feel like in film and in writing those battles have been fought and they're irrelevant now and clear concise storytelling in movies and in literature can ha- can coexist alongside really radical approaches and people can appreciate both and i still feel like in comics in spite of this surge of energy and creativity there's still this feeling that comics are this one thing and um maybe that should be what there isn't anyone thinking that comics are what you inside think they are they are what's what's happening now you know there's something you've been saying a lot um, is is really using the term art and like pages of art uh, and I'm wondering like the question it was in my head and now it's not the words aren't coming together right like how important is for you is to kind of understand the work that these people are making this is their art they're they're putting this art together and I mean art is a pretty loaded term but a to me, when you say that, you mean like this personalness to it, this aesthetic to it. Well, I think of it as, yeah, I think of it as their art because it's what they're engaged in and what they're doing in a ambitious, creative way. I mean, it's what they're devoted to. I think of that as their art, you know? It's not their hobby, um, and it's not their job. Um, although in some cases it is there, it's what they make their livelihood from. But I think even when you're making a living from art, it's still art. Mm-hmm. I, I think when you try to like put it in the terms of 
what you make money from, it, it puts it in that world uh, that art is, I think, really independent from. Um, but yeah, it's their, of course it's their art. I can't imagine it being anything else. I think that's a good point to stop. Okay. <laughs> um, thank you so much, Austin. Uh, once again, a reminder, folks, I've been talking to Austin English, who is the publisher of Domino Books. Uh, DominoBooks.com? Dot org. Dot org. Uh, some of the titles we've been chatting about uh, out now, Dark Tomato, Spider Monkey, as well as um, Austin's own work, including The Disgusting Room, as well as a plethora of other work from the fine folks at Sparkplug. Thank you so much for chatting with me today, Austin. I am a fan, as always, and look forward to more books by you. Oh, well, thank you, Robin, and thanks for letting me talk to you. <laughs>